Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Hey, good morning, church. How are you today? Awesome. So good to see all of you. Welcome to church. Hey, we have guests that are with us. Can we give them one of those Life Church big claps and let them know how glad? That's awesome. If you are a guest, thanks for coming. We'd love for you to come back and make this your home church and be a part of what God is doing here. Uh, On the screen a moment ago, we showed a video about Flourish. So Flourish is our women's conference that's coming up in two weeks. And so if you're a lady, we want you there. So we want you to sign up and come be a part of it. It's going to be another great conference. We had a great conference a couple weeks ago with our marriage conference. And now we're just rolling in with our ladies. And so ladies, sign up. And there is a fee to it. But I want to let you know that if a fee prohibits you from coming then you let us know and we'll make sure you get to come because we're not going to let a little money keep someone coming away from being able to experience what God has for you. All right? So, thank you. Thank you, Livy. Appreciate it. Um, so, hey, before I go to a message today, and I have a good word for us today. I believe I do. First service liked it. It was fine. So, um, But I want to share with you about our Courageous Campaign. Now, many of you are brand new to our church, and you do not know what our Courageous Campaign is, and I want to help you know what's going on, and so I'm going to give you a little story and help you be a part of our Courageous Campaign, and it is a fundraiser that we have that we have had for a couple years to pay for the renovations of our brand new building. So some of you are so new, you, you may not even know, but we've only been in this building four months. Like we're just, we're brand new in here. It's still shiny and new. We love it. It's great. Um, it's been a great place for us. But let me take you back a couple years ago. We were meeting in the First Baptist Church Activity Center. How many of you are from the First Baptist Church Activity Center? Go ahead and raise your hand. All right. So, wow. Um, if you are, have only started attending our church since we moved in this building, would you raise your hand? Yeah, that's a lot of you. Well, welcome. We're so glad everybody's here. So great. That's awesome. It's awesome. So two years ago, though, we were meeting in the First Baptist Church Activity Center, and we were setting up our church in a gymnasium. And so every chair that we put out, we set it up. We had a stage that we set up. We had three screens that we set up. We set up kids ministry. We set up parking lot stuff. And I mean, we worked hard. There was a group of people that would come in at like 5 a.m. and they would set everything up. And then there was a whole nother group of volunteers after church and they would tear it all down and put it in in these cases and then we'd haul it all off. and, and, And that was church for us for five years, set up and break down. So about two years ago, though, we were able to secure the the lease on this facility, and I painted vision, gave vision for our church, this is what we're going to do, and and I'm pretty convinced, though, at that point, people are so tired of meeting in the gym, I think I could have said, hey, we're going to meet under a tree out back, they would have come, because we're so through with that that gymnasium, but we were in it, We, we were faithful to it, but about two years ago, when we found this as our next home, we began a campaign to pay for the renovations on a facility, this, this facility and for all the chairs and all the equipment and everything. 
And our church was just so amazingly generous and and so we started a three-year campaign. So we're two years of a three-year campaign. And uh, we set a goal for, to raise $1.5 million. And you can see on the screen, we have raised up to date $1.58 million. So you can give a clap for that. That's really good. Very wonderful, generous church. And, and so I'm grateful for that. But we, we haven't reached our goal. And so I want to inspire you to be a part of our campaign to continue to give towards the campaign so that we can reach our goal. Now, since moving in here, it has been amazing. We have experienced a lot of growth, which is great. Uh, growth is important, but you are important. Every person matters. And, but um, we have grown somewhere around 50 to 60% since moving in here, which is a lot of people. You can give a clap for that. Most importantly, though, every week since we have been in this building, I have given a salvation invitation, and every week, every Sunday, people have made first-time decisions to follow Jesus Christ. So, so it works. It works. Um, having a building, uh, God's presence, what we're doing, God is moving it's, it's beyond just having church services for us. We're like seeing the move of God and, and we're just excited to be a part of it. And so I want to invite you though to help us pay for this. I've been asked a couple times that, hey, um, since we're in the building, do we still keep going with the Courageous Campaign? Because like we have stuff, you know, like I, I see the chairs and we're experiencing all of it and, and have we finished the campaign? And the answer is no, we haven't finished the campaign and we want to continue it because we had to borrow some money in order to pay for all of this stuff. And we have a gap between what we have raised and what we want to raise. And it's about $450,000 left. And so we have a little debt on this. And so we want to pay all that debt off. And I don't want to have debt. Uh, we, matter of fact, as a church, we're, we're going to have our 20th year anniversary coming up soon. And over the 20 years, we have not been carrying debt. And so we're like, I, I'm, you know, I'm not a, like saying debt is bad, but I don't want to pay, and I'm grateful for the bank, but I don't want to pay the bank interest when I could be using that money for better kingdom purposes. And so, so I'm asking you, would you, one, if you have been part of our campaign, stay in the campaign. Um, don't, don't quit. Um, I would love for you to stay faithful in that and continue to, to give to the campaign. And if you are new to us and you would love to help be a part of that, so we had a group of people that paid for it then, and so now the rest of us can jump in and we can all be a part of paying this, this campaign so that we can pay off the debt and, and really have the, you know, the little bit of you know, financial stability in our church, and, and we want that. So there's a card that most of you picked up or were given on the way in the door, and basically, it just, it just says, I plan to give accordingly, and there's a place I'm going to give this much per month, or maybe there's just a one-time gift that you can make towards the campaign, and then a little information. And the reason we want that is, one, it just helps us as a church leadership to plan and know what's coming and how to, just how to be aware of what's happening. So we'd love for you, if you are new and you want to fill one of those out and drop it in the, the basket, we got a couple baskets will be in the back, and you can fill it out, drop it in the basket. Those baskets will be there next week, and you can pray over it this week, and you can drop that in the basket. I also want to let you know, though, this isn't a contract. 
Uh, you know, let's say you put something on there and then four months later the economy hits really hard and something's different and you're like, I, I can't do it. And listen, we're not going to come see you. Like, we don't do that. You know, like, you're, this is just, it's between you and the Lord. But this does help us plan. And, and for the most part, people are able to, to follow through. And so we would love for you to, to pray about it. Uh, no pressure. You don't have to. But we'd love for you to help us finish out this campaign together. And so we have about $450,000 one year to get it done. And so um, let's, just, let's just do it. I think God's on the move. And um, I don't think he really um, would you know, mind if we paid off our debt, I think God would say, good job, church, and I believe he'd favor that. So, um, would you pray about that? That's all I'm asking. Amen. Would you pray about that? All right. I see a few hands. Great. Amens. Um, <clears throat> it's been really good at our, in this building. I, I've loved being in here. I, I tell you, there's so much going on. The worship has been phenomenal. Uh, I, I'm so proud of our worship team. Do y'all enjoy worship today? Wasn't it just, it's just special. It's so special. One of the reasons it's special is their hearts. And uh, today, Chandler, he was standing here, Chandler Ritter, and, and uh, he's been part of our church for a number of years, but he wasn't scheduled to lead worship today. And as you know, there's a lot of sickness going around. And so Scott Anderson was supposed to lead and he called out, you know, sick and said, I can't come. And, and Chandler is just made himself available. And he's like, I'll, I'll step right in. I believe even uh, Phil was out on guitar and Eli jumped in on that. And so like we just, just but the hearts of people just to say, I'm available. And, and Chandler, this his heart is beautiful. He led worship for us today. And, and you know, he's talented and all, but it's not the talent that makes this. It's the heart that makes this. His availability and that's the same for all of us in worship. It's our availability to God. It's our, it's our availability to say, God, I'll just step in. I'll do my part. And, and it's really special here right now. And I, I hope you ex are aware of how special this season is. And it's more than just a bunch of people that are coming new. It's about what God's doing in our hearts and the move of God in our city through our church. And so I'm grateful. And so I just say thank you uh, for being a part of this Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just pause and pray and thank him. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this church, this building, and thank you for those that gave and, and have given us the opportunity to get to this point. And God, I pray that those that you're calling to step in and make themselves available financially to help us fulfill this goal of 1.5, Lord, I ask that you'd just lay it on our hearts, you'd move in our church, and Lord, I know we'll have more than enough. And so, Father, I thank you for that. And Lord, also, I pray that um, as I preach today, uh, your word would be strong and it would strengthen our lives. We love you, Lord. And we love you in Jesus' name. Can I get a good amen? Yeah. Amen. I want to talk to you today on the importance of communion and the importance of it and, and why we take communion and what it, why it matters to you. I believe that as I teach it today, you'll see something in communion that will inspire you to always want to be a part of that and participate in communion. The heart of communion is about remembering Christ. That's the name of my message, remembering Christ. Several years ago, many, many years ago, I was with a buddy, a friend of mine, and I was preteen, so whatever age that, like I was probably 12, somewhere in that age, and I had a, a, a buddy and I'd spent the night at his house and I had a, you know, a sleepover at my buddy's house and um, that next morning, it was Sunday morning, and we were going to get up and go to his church. And, and so my buddy told me, some, he said, hey, listen, um, I've been to your church, and our church is a little different. And I'm like, all right. And, and he said, 
we have wine at our church. I said, what? Like, I didn't grow up in a family that had wine. I'm like, I don't know if I can go to your church, you know? And, and he goes, oh, it's okay. You, 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 it's cool. And I'm like, all right. So I thought, I don't know what's going to happen, but I might drink wine and I don't know. I don't know. You know, I was, I was petrified going in, you know? So, but we get there and um, they, they have this moment in their service and they called it Eucharist. And, and so we're sitting in a pew and then everybody gets up and he goes, now's the time. And I said, for what? Like, what's happening? And he said, it's time for the wine, you know? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And so we're all walked down and they had this bench all across the front and we knelt on the little bench. And, and, and so I knelt and I looked at my buddy and I said, what's happening? And he goes, it's okay, just follow the person beside you. And I said, all right. So, so I'm sitting there. So this priest is coming down and, and he had these little wafers. And, and so the person beside me, he kind of went like this. And so I, so I did that and I got the wafer and I, I ate it and I said, thank you. And, and then and he went on down. And, and so here came another priest down and he had this chalice. And I thought, here it is. This, I'm going to be in trouble right here, going to church. I don't know. And so the priest looked at me and he goes, where's your wafer? I said, I ate it. He said, you're supposed to dip it. And I said, I don't have it. And he gave me the look. He went, hmm. and he moved and skipped me, passed me by. And so my buddy got tickled and then I got tickled. And so we're on this kneeling bench starting to crack up. And have, let me ask you, have you ever been in church and you get tickled at something and you don't want the pastor to see you laughing and your buddies beside you and they start laughing. I want you to know I see you. <laughs> I always wonder what you're laughing at. Is it something I said? I don't know. But we were in that moment tickled because I didn't know what was going on. Then his mom gave us that mom look, you know. And, and so I left that service that day completely confused. I didn't know if I'd messed up Eucharist for the church, but I had no idea what was going on. And, and so I was thinking that too often, maybe even in our church, there are things that we do that someone new might not know what's going on. And I don't want you to walk out of here confused about some of the practices and the things that we do in our church. As an example, when we worship, we lift our hands to the Lord a lot. And you may have come from a church that, that doesn't do that. You, you came from a church and and, and they, they just, they stood and they, they, you sang, but your hands didn't move. And, you know, and I, I remember the first time I raised my hands in church. Uh, we were part of a, I was, you know, younger, part of a charismatic church growing up and everybody had their hands up and, and, and I had my hands on the chair in front of me. I holding on, like, I was like, what is going on? And, and I was part, I was frozen. I was part of the frozen chosen, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I was there and and I remember, though, this one time, you know, God speaking to me about, just lift your hands. And I was like, oh, my gosh, lift my hands in church. And, but I did it. And I kind of went like this. I don't know. You know, that was it, Lord. I think the Lord's like, I think you do better than that, you know. And, and finally, I get them up there. And I, I remember so plain. I thought everybody in the church was looking at me when I did it. How many of you ever remember that moment? You're like, oh, I'm lifting my hands up and it feels kind of scary at first. And so, but listen, the reason we do it 
is that our God is so good, his grace is so deep, his love is so mighty, my salvation is through Jesus Christ and him alone, and when it's time to worship, I can't be frozen, I have to say, God, you are so good, and I lift my hands to him. How many of you ever gone to a football game and they score a touchdown? Listen, nobody has to tell everybody to jump up and down and scream because you're excited about it. Listen, I'm more excited about what Christ has done in my life than any touchdown I'll ever see, right? And so we lift our hands. We uh, often, when Pastor Gina today was praying over our prayer request, and, and you saw it today, a lot of people lift their hands and they raise them to the screen. And if you're new, you may not know, what, what, why are we doing that? What's going on? And, and so you just watch it. And so I remember one time I invited a friend to church and, and this friend came and he visited one time and then he never came back. And I ran into him another day later and I said to him, hey, what'd you think of the church service? And he goes, well, he goes, it was okay until y'all did that Hitler thing. <laughs> I said, what? I was like, I'm, I'm pro-Israel. I don't know what you're talking about. And, and he goes, you know, when y'all said, everybody put your hand up like this. And he said, from the back row, all I saw was this. And he goes, I was out of there. I go, let me explain to you what we're doing. I said, what we're doing is, is we are in a biblical form praying for people. And there's a section in the book of James that talks about laying on hands, that you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so often when we pray for people, it's appropriate to put one hand on someone's shoulder and your other hand lifted to the Lord. And in that moment, you're saying, God, from heaven to earth and through my life into my hand into this person's body, heal them in the name of Jesus. So it's nothing that I'm doing, but I'm just reaching and saying, God, would you move by power and touch that life? So when we pray for people and their name is up on the screen or not their name, but their prayer request on the screen, we are in essence saying, God, would you move on their behalf? And as a church body, we're praying for them. That makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? You may not even understand, maybe you're new and we do baptism services and people are baptized and and why do we baptize people? If you've never been a part of church, that may not make sense to you. Baptism is a public profession of someone's faith in Jesus Christ. At the end of every service, I, I give an invitation for people to make a decision, first-time decision, to, to follow Jesus and to surrender their life to Jesus. And, and when I do that, I have people bow their heads. And the reason I have them bow their heads is I want people to make a decision, a personal decision, and I don't want them to be persuaded by someone beside them. So I don't want the person beside them to raise their hand and they think, well, I'll do it too. That, that, I, I want you to pray, that, that's me. Also, I don't want the person beside you that didn't raise their hand, then you not. I want it to be a very personal, private moment. But our walk with God was never meant to stay private. That's why we have a public profession of faith through baptism. And so we have baptism services, and so we'll have one coming up. And if you've made a decision to follow Christ, but you've never been baptized, we want you to be baptized. Baptism is simple. We have a tank. We dunk you in the water, and we raise you back out. Why? Because when you go under the water, that represents that you identify to the death of Jesus Christ. When you're coming out of the water, it represents the blood of Jesus is washing you clean. And when your sins are gone and when you're standing upright, now you're standing and you have a new life through Jesus Christ. It's powerful. It's great. Amen. 
<laughs> so communion, all that to bring us to a point of communion. We take communion in our church every Sunday. And generally we have it on the tables that are in the front and the back of the room. And I just want you to understand communion. So I'm going to take about 20 minutes and do my best to land this plane in time to close out so we don't go too long. But I really want you to understand communion because it's powerful. It's great. And at the end of this, we're going to pray for miracles today. And if you need a miracle in some capacity, today's the day for it. Amen? All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And we're going to study just this one section of Scripture pretty much. And, and we learn from this what communion is all about and why we take it and, and the, the power behind it. And so 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three says, and this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I received this from the Lord. And now I pass it on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Now the scriptures go on. I'm going to pause for a second. And I just want you to catch the context of what's going on at this moment. And so the apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. So Corinth is a city, the church that was there. And he is writing and that's why we call this the first Corinthians, the first letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinthians. Now, the Corinthian church had all kinds of issues going on in it, and Paul was an apostle to this church, which means he's an overseer of the church, and as an overseer, his job is to, to clean up the messes in the church and give instructions to the pastors and, and really just oversee and help the church do things according to the scriptures. And, and so he's writing to this church. Now, the church at this point is about 20 years old. So this is 20 years after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we're 20 years later. And so Paul is reminding them about what communion is all about in this section. And, and I want to remind you what communion is all about because without understanding the, the depth of it, you won't understand why do we have this little piece of bread and why do we have this juice and what does it, what does it mean to us? So before I jump back to Scripture... Paul said that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and then he goes into the story about communion and why we take communion. So let me take up from that point where Jesus was betrayed. So what happened is that when Jesus, the night he was betrayed, he was with his apostles, the 12 apostles, and they were in a room. And this is the night before he was going to go to, the, to be betrayed, and the next day he would be crucified like and so this is his last time with his disciples before this happens. And so in this moment, he, he starts to teach them about the events that were about to happen. And what was about to happen was that he was going to be crucified. His body was going to be beaten and he would be whipped and flogged. And then he would be crucified and hung on a cross to die. And there's purpose behind all of that. And let me explain that. And the purpose is that, that every person in, in this room and every person in the world has sin in their life. There are no perfect people, right? You know that. There are no per up here, all the way to the back. Nobody's perfect. And it's that sin that, that makes us imperfect. God is holy. God is righteous. God is without sin. And so we have sinful people who want to be in relationship with a righteous God. And it's sin that separates us from God. And sin has to be dealt with before we can have this relationship with God. So God is a God of justice. And so every wrong, every sin, there has to be a punishment for it to deal with that. 
instead of you and I taking that punishment, Jesus came to earth. He lived a sinless life. And then on our behalf, he was punished. He took the punishment that you and I deserved upon himself. And he was beaten. His body was whipped. And the the weight of sin was placed upon him. And when he took that sin upon himself, and then his blood was shed, his life went out of him, he gave his life as the payment for all sin, for all people, for all time. You and I believe in Jesus Christ. And we say we believe that Jesus took the penalty, the punishment for my sin. And when he takes that penalty for my sin, I am now forgiven and I can now come into a relationship with a righteous, holy God because now I'm not seen by sin, amen? So that's what Christ did for us. And so Paul is reminding this church about this moment that that Jesus had with the disciples as he was teaching them about communion, but about the days that were to come. And so he goes on to say that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread. And, and, and I want you to think about this, this loaf of bread as Jesus is sitting with his disciples. And, and he is using bread to represent his body. We know that Jesus is the bread of life. And, and he takes this bread and he, and he breaks that bread and he tears it, the pieces out of it because that is representation of what his body is going to go through the next day. And so he is breaking the bread representing his body that is broken. And so he says that he takes this bread and after he broke the bread, he said, this is my body, which is for you. So he's saying, my body is going to be broken for you, disciples, but everyone else, you and I. His body is broken for us. And he says, do this, meaning take this moment to break bread together to remember the, the, the price that was paid for you, the price for your sins. And so we break that bread. And so then he said in the same way after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And so as he's sitting with his disciples, he passes this chalice around and it had wine in it. And and he says, this is symbolic of my blood that will be shed for you. And he said, so as you drink this wine, I want you to Remember that my blood will be shed for you. My life will be drained out so that you can have life through him. And he said, do this. Whenever you drink it, remember him. And so he said in the same way, he took this cup and they they passed that around and they were to remember him. Verse 26 says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup. So whenever we do this, Wherever we drink this cup and eat of this bread, we're to proclaim the Lord's death. In other words, we are to remember that he died for our sins. We are, now, you don't have to proclaim it like, you know, Tony, you don't have to yell to the people in the back and tell them. But together, we will proclaim it by taking of this bread and, and drinking of this juice and remembering what he has done for us. And it says, so you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And for generation after generation, church 
after church has been taking communion and remembering Christ until he comes. Now, I don't know about this church. Now, they're 20 years after the, the death of, of Christ, and, and I don't know if they were just forgetful. I don't know what was going on in their life. I, I, listen, I know that I'm a forgetful person. I, I don't know. I, I forget stuff all the time. Uh, matter of fact, first service, I couldn't find my car keys. I, I, just, I, was, I'm just, I forget stuff all the time. It's okay. Uh, I, I live with it. I've learned to live with my forgetfulness, but I forget stuff. I, 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 I can't, I have a wallet. I can't find my wallet. You know what has saved my day though? Is I bought from Apple those little, um, those little tag things. I can find everything now. If it weren't for, for that, I'd be way a mess. One time I, I even lost my car. I did. I lost my. We were at a marriage retreat down in Myrtle Beach, and had a wonderful time. And we walked out and and had our luggage. And I told her, "Wait right here. I'll go up to where I parked our car in the garage, and I'll be right back." And she's like, "Okay." And and like thirty minutes later, I come back, and I'm like, "You will not believe this. Someone stole our car." She's like, "What?" You know. And I'm like, "Somebody stole our car." I called the police. Police came, wrote the whole report up, and, and I'm like, you know, all right. So we're trying to figure out how to catch a ride back to Wilmington, and and you know, like with my car was gone, and no longer than five minutes, the police came circling back around, and they said, we have good news. I said, what? What's the good news? They said, we found your car, and I'm like, who stole my car? They said, well, we found it on the fourth floor of the parking garage, and you only walked up three floors. It's true. It's true. I forget stuff. It's, it's, it's crazy. But let me tell you what. I'm never going to forget Jesus who died on the cross, who paid the price for my sin so that I can have a life in him. Amen, church? You know, different churches use different names for this, this practice of communion. We call it communion. Some churches will call it the Lord's Supper, and it's appropriate because it's 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 like relating to that last supper that the disciples had with Jesus. Some churches call it Eucharist, and uh, we use the term um, of communion, and, and I'll tell you why, and you see on the screen, um, communion from the Greek is koinonia, and koinonia means fellowship. And so when you think about communion, we are first having communion with our heavenly father. Like I'm in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And so there's, there's, there's a, 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 just a bondedness that I have with my father because of Jesus. So when I'm taking communion, I, I'm remembering the koinonia that I have with my, my spiritual father. Koinonia also is about fellowship in a church body. And so it's the relationship you have with others. And so when you think of koinonia, it's, it's a relationship, one that I have with God, but it's also the relationship that I have with all of us. And, you know, there's something so special and so unique about a, a, the, the bonding that we have with other people who are Christians. Like there's no other relationship other than the relationship that we have in that koinonia where we, where we have met Jesus Christ and it brings us together and in essence, we are spiritual brothers and sisters in the family of God because of Jesus Christ. And so, like, I like the fact that, I mean, listen, what a beautiful church body we have here. 
and there's diversity here. There's, there's people from different backgrounds and some are from one side of the tracks to the other side of the tracks. And, and you know what? We don't care because it's not about the outward side of our life. It's because we are brothers and sisters through Jesus Christ and, and we all have come to the cross on a level playing field and we all needed Jesus and we all accept Jesus and that changes our life and we become this big happy family together. Amen? That's our unity. That's our unity. And so when we take communion, we do it, and I like that term, in fellowship with God, but in fellowship with everyone else. And so some call it the Lord's Supper, which is appropriate. Some churches, they use Eucharist um, because it comes from a Greek word, eucharisteo, which means give thanks, which is amazing. Um, usually you find that in more of a liturgical background church like Lutheran Episcopal Catholic. So, so just to fully explain the bread today, represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And he paid that price for us. The blood, the juice and the wine represents his blood that was shed for us. And his life was given so that we can have a new life. So today we're gonna take communion together and, and we'll, we have these little cups. And I just wanna remind you of a few things of what to remember as we take communion. Because I want it to have meaning. One of the things that Apostle Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth is that it didn't have appropriate meaning for them. They had lost the relevance and the, it, they had lost the, um, the, the purpose behind it and, and it became more of just a religious activity and, and, and that's not our heart. We want, to, we want to be authentic and we want community to be special and and so I want to give you three ways to remember Christ when we take communion. And the first is that we should reflect on, uh, we should reflect on his sacrifice. And so when, before you open your cup today or any day that we take communion, you ought to just take a moment and like, thank you, God, that you sent your son Jesus and he died on the cross for my sins. And, and I have life because of Jesus Christ. And and, and, it's, and almost in the, in the form of how the Eucharist is about give thanks. I like that. There ought to be a moment in your moment before you take communion. You're like, thank you, Lord, um, because I needed a Savior and, and I, couldn't, I couldn't pay the price for my sin on my own and, and Jesus did it for me. And so, so reflect on the sacrifice is the first thing we do. The second thing I would encourage you to do is to recall his benefits. Recall his benefits. Do you know there's a lot of benefits to following Jesus Christ? A lot of benefits. Now, maybe you didn't know that. Let me share some of this with you. But first of all, the foremost, the greatest benefit of following Christ is our sins are forgiving and we have eternal life with, with our Father. That's, I mean, if he did nothing else, that's enough. But listen what Psalm 103 says. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord. First of all, I had to pause there. When it comes to worship God, all that we are should praise God. Like my whole body, my whole soul, my whole mind, everything, praise God because I'm saved and I'm forgiven and I have a brand new life in him. And so I want to encourage you next week when you come to worship, let all that you have praise God, all right? So maybe if you've never raised your hands in church, maybe you get to try it out next week and just say, all that I am, praise the Lord, amen, amen. So we can do that. So listen to what it says. So all that I am, praise the Lord. And may I never forget the good things he does for me. 
He forgives all my sins. That's enough to praise him. But then it says he heals all my diseases. All is all. He heals us. Like that's a promise that the reason that we, every service, have prayer time is because we believe in the supernatural power of God to heal us from every disease that's out there. Amen? And so we pray and we believe. We're, we're that church. And if you have anything in your life, there is never a better place to be than to be right here where we can pray for God to move because he heals all our diseases. He says, then he goes on, that he, he redeems me from death. He redeems us. He redeems us from our shame. He redeems us from addictions. He redeems us from all the mistakes that we've made in our past. He redeems us from all. He's so good. Then it says that he crowns us with his love and his mercy and he fills our life with good things. And, and my youth, it says, is renewed like eagles. Who needs the strength of God in your life? Amen. So communion is about saying yes to his power in our life, his healing power in our life. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 24, it says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, it says, you have been healed. That means that he heals us through us recognizing who Christ is in our life. So listen, when you're taking of that bread today, you can begin to say, God, I'm going to eat this bread, but I'm consuming the life of Jesus. His body was broken so my body can be whole. His body was broken so I can be healed. And you begin to take that communion and you begin to say, God, I thank you for the benefits of being a child of God. I thank you that I'm eating this bread and it is, it is the meal that heals me, God. And God, I thank you as I take this, my blood pressure's going down. I thank you as I take this, God, my asthma's being healed. I thank you as I eat this, God, that my thyroid is being healed. I thank you that my arthritis is, is going to be healed and my cancer is going away and you're eating life of Jesus into your life. So God, thank you. So today when we take it, thank him. You may receive your healing today as you take communion. And the last I encourage you is to renew your commitment to Christ. What a moment in a church service every week to say, God, I, I want to just renew my commitment to follow you. Because, you know, in all of our lives, we don't live perfect through the week. And sometimes we come in, we feel the weight of the week, we feel the, the pressures of work, we feel the pressures of parenting, and, and you just feel the, the, the busyness of life and the temptations of the world and all that's just coming at us all the time but when you come to communion you take that communion and you say thank you for saving me thank you for going to the cross for me and you've saved me you've forgiven me of everything and God I thank you that you're healing my body but God most importantly I want you to know I'm walking out of here with a renewed commitment to follow you with all my heart 
And if you'll take communion like that, it'll change your life. And so every week we have communion. Today we're going to take it together. Before I do, though, I want to make an opportunity for anyone who has never made a decision to follow Jesus. Because you cannot pay for the sin yourself. You can go to church a lot. That's great. You can read your Bible. You can do all kinds of things. But there's no way you'll be good enough to be sinless. And the only way to be forgiven of your sins is to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you've never made a decision to follow Christ, today is a wonderful day to do that. I wouldn't put it off another minute. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads in this moment. And Father, if there are people here that have never made a decision to follow Christ, would you let this be the day? Would you knock on their heart so that their sins can be forgiven and they can, they can have a life, a new life in you? If that's you today and you're ready to make that decision, would you just lift your hand to me and say, Pastor Tim, that's me today. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. God bless you. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. God bless you. I see you. So special. God bless you. I see you. Amazing. Well, we're all going to say a prayer. We're going to say it out loud. If you raised your hand, though, this is a, a special moment for you. A moment to surrender your life to Christ and know that from this point on, all of your sins are forgiven. All of your shame is gone. And you have a brand new life in Him. Let's all pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He came to earth, lived a sinless life, and He died for me. He died for my sin. He took the punishment I deserved. And now I'm forgiven because I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, that's a moment for us to give a great amen and a clap to the Lord. So good. Well, let's take communion together. If you take the cup that was given to you, and if you didn't get a cup, um, if you raise your hand, we'll bring a cup to you. Um, there's some at the table here. I see some of you going to get it. I love your heart for that. That's awesome. You're like, I'm not missing out. But if you raise your hand, ushers will bring you a cup. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, this is a special communion for you. Now you're celebrating the, the moment that Christ died for you. Well, let's open up the, the bread side. And Father, we reflect that, that Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was shed. And we say, thank you, Lord. Couldn't have done it on our own, but Jesus did it. And as we take this bread, I want to remember Christ, that he died for me, 
And he died to heal me and set me free from all. Let's take this together. And the juice that represents just symbolic of the blood that was shed for us. That it's through his, his death that we have a new life. And God, we are so thankful and we want to celebrate, but we want to look back and remember Christ. Let's drink. Well, Father, we love you so much. And I thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for Christ. We remember what he did. In Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. If you're saved and you're happy, let's give him a good clap and say thank you. If you would stand up to your feet. I want to pray for miracles for just a moment. And then what we're going to do, just so you'll know, and, and all our prayer team, I apologize in the, now because I had asked all them to be ready for this miracle moment, but then I preached a little long. And so I'm going to do just a general prayer over everyone. And so, uh, Michelle, thank you for leading our prayer team. I'm going to take it from here. Thank you. Uh, listen, we've, we've been in this holy moment. And I believe that God's presence is here. And when God is in the room, anything is possible. And if it's blood pressure, if it's, there's pain in your left rib, if there's something going on in, in an ankle, if there's, diabetes, what, I don't know what's in your life, but I just want to walk in faith today. And I want to pray for miracles. And over the 20 years of our church, I've seen God do so many things. And it just came from a, a group of people that said, by faith, we'll pray and believe. So if you need a miracle today, would you just lift your hand up and say, pastor, that's me. Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we forget not all the benefits of being a follower, that you have saved us and you heal us from all our diseases and you deliver us and set us free. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would touch the bodies, the mind, the health of every person that has their hand raised, God. I pray for a miracle today. Whatever their need is, God, you are able to see it, hear it, and know it. And God, do a miracle today, God. I can't wait to hear the stories. So we pray all this in the amazing name of Jesus Christ. Amen, church. Amen, amen, amen.